Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to Echo. I'm Ryan Becker, and I'm really glad you're with us today. I am joined by two awesome guests, Pastor Henry Johnson and Hugo Silva. So, Pastor Henry, why don't you start us off? Just tell us a bit about yourself. Yes, I'm Pastor Henry Johnson. I'm the Young Adult and Campus Ministries Director for the Carolina Conference here. Awesome. And Hugo? Uh, Hugo Silva, just recent graduate from UNC Charlotte, uh, and looking to get a job, really. All right. So employers listening to this, if you like what he has to say, consider this his interview. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, (laughs) Search for me on LinkedIn. What? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. Yeah, this is your LinkedIn profile right now. Is there really a use for that? We all have it, but nobody uses it. it. (laughs) Exactly. I keep wondering and checking it for nothing. Well, they won't be a sponsor of this. Well, speaking of relevancy and... (laughs) Speaking of speaking of relevancy, like we're going to talk about something today that is uh, uh, incredibly relevant, which is, is the Bible itself relevant? Is this collection of books and letters and manuscripts from thousands of years ago, is it still relevant? Does it have something to say? And how can I read it in a way that it would make sense? So there's there's this ongoing question of, well, I don't even need to read the Bible because it's old and it doesn't make any sense or I don't understand it. And, it, you know, it's not even relevant. It's We're talking about, you know, they're talking about farming and I don't farm. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we deal with in society today are not actually present in Scripture. They don't have computers. They don't have technology, social media. They They lived in a different world. And so why are we looking at this different world as if it's the ideal? Uh, there's a lot of people that really struggle w- with the relevancy of the Bible. And I did too for a while, to be honest. And um, I've since changed my mind personally on it. But so let's let's kind of, let's do this. Since we are exploring this theme, I'd, I'd actually just like to start off with this question, which is how have you seen the Bible's relevancy in your life? Or have you? It's hard to say. One-on-one directly, I find it very hard to see a story that says, hey, Hugo, this is something that you're struggling with right now at this very moment. Follow this guy's, you know, uh, direction. But still, even then, I think that there are a lot of stories that have a partial applicants or relatability to my day-to-day living. Like uh, there's a story where uh, Paul and Peter in the book of Acts, Paul is not on the same page with Peter and Peter is kind of looking at non-believers or the Gentiles kind of like a little bit with, I mean, he's just looking down at him and whenever there are Jews around, he'll stop being, he'll be friends with the Gentiles kind of behind closed doors. But the second that they're out in public, you know, oh, they don't know who you are really. And it's almost kind of like this, how he denied Jesus. But uh, Paul's not on that with him. He's, I think if we're going to put a personal application with that, there are people in my life that I wasn't really wanting to be seen with in public. Maybe that's just the crappy personality that I have, you know, it's just being very superficial <laughs> and caring about my image. But like at the same time, uh, you know, God shows to Peter in a vision that, you know, call no man unclean. doesn't matter who you are. And you really, I really had to look at myself personally and say, wow, I can't really just look down at anybody just because 
I mean, for who they are, you know, you have to really appreciate them for who they are. And God loves them. I shouldn't call them unclean, you know. Hmm. I guess that was a story that hit home for me. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. Um, and I think, too, that that speaks to at least that moment between Peter and Paul. And in, in, in I think it's Galatians 2 is where that's where, where like Paul calls out Peter for it. Like he actually says, like, you're being a hypocrite here. Um, that really speaks to racism too. this idea of I don't want to be associated with this group of people because of how my group of people looks at them. And so I think there's there right there is something that speaks to racism, which is something that within America, especially we've been dealing with for <laughs> pretty much the entirety of our existence as a country. So I, I, I see even multiple relevancy areas for even just what you've talked about. But Henry, what about you? Oh man, there's so much I want to say, but sticking. <laughs> I, I, we got 20 minutes. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll come back around. Uh, starting with the the initial question about a story you can really really relate to. I I relate a ton to the Saul Paul conversion part of the story. Uh, Saul. This is a story in the book of Acts. Primarily, Acts nine is where the conversion takes place. But imagine a, a young, uh, talented, going places, dedicated, zealous religious guy. And he kind of comes one-on-one with God and realizes that in his zeal, he didn't really know who he was, and that his view of God was just completely wrong, and his view of humanity was completely wrong, and his world gets turned, I'd say upside down, but it's more like right side up. And and it gets turned around by a guy that you only hear of once in the scripture. He just kind of enters the story and back out, this guy named Ananias. And and how he impacts his life, again, with community, with faith in Saul, who will become Paul at a time where Saul's despairing of his life, doesn't even believe in himself, uh, this kind of thing. So it, it's this coming to a point in your life where you realize you had it all wrong and having to be retaught, finding out that God is better than the world told you he was, better than religion told you he was, but that he's who Jesus is. And then having community, uh, somebody, maybe not even the big names of the world or religion, uh, draw near to you and give hope and speak belief in your life at a time where you don't even believe in yourself or the world doesn't seem to have much to believe in. Uh, that, that just really speaks powerfully to me. And it's the principles of that story more so that speak powerfully to me. And that kind of allows me to dovetail into the initial topic and what I wanted to say. I do believe 100% that the Bible is relevant. What I don't believe is relevant is how the modern church uses it. Okay. Can you expound on that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. The, The thing is, the Bible itself is relevant because it is dealing with a God who still exists and with people who have not changed. Right? All the stuff that we say, well, I wasn't a farmer, or they don't have computers or Wi-Fi yeah. or whatever, the, this is window dressing on the reality that humans are humans. You know, history is something that I love. And one of the things I know that makes history boring and why most people don't like it is that most classes on history are dates, names, and figures. Right? So all you hear is, for example, at the time we're recording this, this is the tail end of the centenary of the Great War, World War One. And most people don't, A, know anything about it, or B, if they hear something briefly in school, it's about, okay, well, 10 million people died, and it lasted four years, and a 75-millimeter round could blow up 10 people at it, and it's blah, 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 and president this, and prime minister that, and there was a truce, and it ended, and uh, right. 
Well, that's boring because it's not relevant because I don't live in a world where fact, figures, and numbers, I mean, I guess unless you're an accountant or a mathematician, that, that's not that's not how I operate in life. I operate on struggles, how I overcome them, relationships, how I deal with it. Here's the thing. History is great when you make it about people. When it ceases being a number and you go, hey, here's a human being that had this job, had this hope, had, had this dream, and you go, oh, man, that sounds like me. And you go, they had this problem. And you go, oh, yeah, that that's like me. And you go, now, in their world, the only ways they had to deal with it was this, this, and this. Mm. And this is what they struggle with. And then you go, all right, now, in, now that we know how they dealt with it, we have the same problem today with the tools that we have. How would we deal with the same struggle, the same decision? In other words, you focus in on the principle more than the prescription of how it went down. Yeah. Right? And the Bible's no different. The problem is, is that the modern church tries to use the Bible as a dictionary or an encyclopedia instead of a narrative to wrestle with. In other words, I go, ah, oh, man, God, what do I, how should I choose a career? And you want to be able to pick the Bible up and go, section C. Paragraph two, career, subsection 2A, right? If you were between the ages of 18 and 30 and you like this, this, and this, then choose bubble A, right? Well, the Bible doesn't do that. And so a lot of people will pick it up and they'll go, ah, well, that's, I don't get it. And you'll move on because you're like, that's not relevant. Well, that's because you don't know how to use it. It's not about that at all. It's about narrative. And the thing about narrative is you can't be quick with it and you can't be lazy. You have to in immerse yourself in it. I have to go in and go, okay, how did Paul do this? How did Peter deal with it? What were they dealing with? So like you're talking about a little bit of racism, xenophobia, interpersonality conflict, things like that. Well, none of that's gone anywhere. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, just just watch Facebook. I mean, so, I mean, this, these things are there. So once I realize, oh, the problem's the same, now I can go, well, how did they deal with it or not deal with it? And are there things that I can take from that that are relevant now, you know, that I can apply to that. And that's a much more powerful way of dealing with it than just pulling a verse here and a verse here and a verse here yep. and a verse here, because the Bible wasn't originally written in chapters and verses, by the way. That's late to the scene, only about 500 years we've had that. Back at a time where in history when that happened, it made sense, because you're dealing with the Reformation period. You're dealing with people who didn't know the scriptures, and they weren't used to reading them because somebody else had to tell them what it said. And they needed a very quick way to be able to keep it on the same page, no pun intended, and find what they were looking for so they could challenge, of all things, an institutionalized church who was telling them, just trust us on this. And, you know, there's nothing that says that. And you go, well, no, actually, here on this page and on this, no, the Bible does talk about that, and you're full of crap, yeah. right? Well, that made sense then, but that was 500 years ago, right? Hopefully, we're not having to fight institutionalization like that. So my point is they, they found a way to make the narrative relevant to their time. Our problem is, is we've not done a whole lot to try and make the Bible, well, allow, I should say, we don't make it, allow the Bible to be relevant to today because we're still approaching it from a position of people that needed it 500 years ago for mm. a certain thing, right? So if social justice is a thing now, which it's always been, but if particularly now, then I need to approach it from a perspective of Okay, how would this deal with this, right? Not how do I challenge the church that says I yeah. can't read it, 
Right. So that's what I'm saying. The Bible itself is relevant because people are people and God is God and none of that is changed. But how we use it is not. And I think if we start learning to change that, that's going to change a lot of people's ability to interact with the text. I think using other examples of the insight that the Bible or the knowledge that the Bible has is also a good way of looking at how relevant it can still be today. And I mean, I think it's also a question that people had back in Christ's time. I mean, between the birth of Christ and the last minor prophet was almost a thousand years. And I'm assuming that I can only imagine the people back then in Christ's time were like, well, it's the Old Testament and, you know, these scrolls that we're having to recite and remember are probably hundreds of years old. Is it really relevant? But you look at the health laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and I mean, they've only been recently confirmed by modern science in like the past century. So just using that as as an example of the knowledge that the Bible can share and insight, I mean, it has to be more than just health laws, right? Well, and for me, one of the passages, it's not even a passage, right? For me, it's not even a story. It's a theme that I've seen take place mainly throughout the New Testament. Uh, it was something largely personal to me because about uh, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer, never having smoked a day in her life, anything like that. She was diagnosed with cancer. And it's so easy. And, and I remember even being a senior in high school when it happened, looking into the Bible and seeing all these moments where Jesus healed people. Just very easy. Like he just walks up and heals people and seeing places in, in Acts where Peter and, and, and James and John and all of them heal people. And Peter was so holy and so close to God that a shadow touching you would heal you, right? And seeing all of this and thinking like, why, why can't I have that for me? And then, and this is recent, like this is within the last year that I, that I saw this, which by the way, my mom's still alive. We're good. She's actually beaten cancer three times since it's all, I'll take, I'll take what I can get. Um, but I look at James, there's this passage in James where, where he says, is one of you sick? Gather the elders around to anoint you with oil and pray over you. And I saw right there in scripture, the believers of God seeing a reduction in the healing miracles, or at least a change in the method that those miracles came about. And I went, oh, wait, not everyone in the Bible just got carte blanche healings whenever they wanted. And they were struggling with seeing the healing miracles happen, happening less and less and less. Um, that was huge for me. Understanding that those, that, that the characters that a lot of, a lot of whom walked with Jesus himself, they also struggled with the same kind of thing I did, which is why can't you just be healed right now? In the, in the snap of a finger. Why do I have to wait for this process to take place? Uh, so that was, that was a hugely relevant thing for me. And once again, that was a theme. Like that was a principle. It wasn't a, it, it, it wasn't a, it told me point A, you know, A, B, and C how to do this. It was a, I could identify with the struggle that they had. And that was huge for me was, was learning how to see my own struggle or my own life in the stories that I read in scripture and through the lens that Jesus saw people through. Um, that was huge for me and helping it become relevant for my life. Yeah. I mean, throwing off that, one of my pet peeves growing up in the deep South and, and heavily religious area was this acronym people have probably heard before, you know, that it's no, the Bible, don't do it. B-I-B-L-E, no, you know don't. what I'm talking about? And they're like, uh. basic instructions before leaving Earth. That's what it is. And it goes back to that encyclopedia kind of instruction, man. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. I've never heard that. Actually. You've never heard that? You never are heard a blessed you, man. Yeah, I say, <laughs> can I be you? Yes. Yeah. 
Where do I get the last 30 years of my life? But, um, but yeah, basic instructions before leaving Earth, which again speaks to how people think it should be. It should just be a prescriptive text about what do I know? Okay, tell me, where's a verse? Right, everything's a cliche now. Give me the verse that speaks to, to whatever. And I go, this is not an instruction manual. It's a narrative that in, that in a sense opens your eyes to reality. Right, it's informative. It's not instructional. Now, that's probably tick off some people to hear me say that because there are instructions in it within within a certain context, but it's informative, not in, instructional. The because how do you learn more about somebody? Just listening to what they tell you about themselves or watching them live life? Yeah, right. Because people can say whatever they want. I mean, people could tell you anything. But then you watch them in a situation, you watch them in struggles, you watch them over a period of time, you start getting a good feel for, oh, that's really who they are. It either lives up to the hype or it doesn't, right? And the Bible is a big narrative about who God really is over the process of time. I can see if he's really serious in what he says, or he's just some other Greek deity or a Roman god. I mean, you know, it's Zeus angry at the little folk down the mountain. Hmm. And, and people, how does he interact with miserable, stupid just incompetent people over thousands of years. Is there any change? What, I mean, the biggest thing to me in the gospels is you never get a better view of who somebody is until they're under pressure. And Jesus spends them the entirety of his ministry constantly under pressure. Yeah. If he was going to crack and go fricasseed earth and fry everybody, you know, if he was going to be like, ah, I'm done with you strap on your feed bag of buttered popcorn. Cause it's Armageddon tonight. You know, if he was going to do that, he, that was very specific. Yeah, only, <laughs> only in my mind. So, but absolutely free. The, the point is, that would have been the time to see it, right? You know, and so like the cross event, it speaks to me of a God who would rather be in hell with me than heaven without me. A God yes. that would rather cease to exist than have me cease to exist. Is these kind of things I learn through the narrative of the story, and I see how humanity and God interact with one another in the in the course of this life. That's that's where the power is. Like you said, in the principle, you could relate to it because it's human. Well, I think too, kind of <laughs> the bigger thing of of this too is if you believe that Jesus Christ is your savior, well, where do you get that from? <laughs> like there's only one place where that information is given to you and that is in the Bible. Everything you know about God is as far as the way that we can express it definitively about God is expressed through scripture. So even in our understanding of God it's relevant. Um, it, it, it's hugely relevant because it gives us the language and the tools necessary to understand who he is more and more and how I fit into that that narrative, right? Yeah. Because we're in the middle. We're in between Genesis and Revelation. And from beginning to end, it's this entire narrative that has social commentary, right, about racism, institutional power, the dangers of it, um, the beauty that can take place when God is leading your life and how just how bad humanity can get when God isn't. Lead, when, when, when humanity doesn't allow God to lead their lives. And, and so there's this, in, in this narrative, there's so much there. And I, I kind of view it like reading a, a fantasy novel. People get engrossed in the lore of fantasy novels or even video games and movies. I know people who, who know Marvel and DC comics better than I know scripture. Uh, better than a lot of theologians know scripture. They can tell you all this stuff, um, and they see its relevance, right? Comic books have a ton of relevance as far as a lot of them did speak against racism 
and institutional power and against the war or in favor of war. You know, it, it depended on the author. But if we're talking about the Bible, which is this collection of narratives, this collection of letters and manuscripts and, and, and stories over thousands of years, it's not a book that's self-referencing. It is a collection of artists' works, all inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit with his leading. But it's this collection that reference each other. You're looking at a collection of things that are 2,000, of 2000 years of time that is incredibly consistent for just how much time passed between each piece of it being put together. And that's huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much evidence we could talk about about the, the relevancy of the Bible from a textual standpoint and all that. But, but I want to hit one last point about relevancy that you kind of brought up, and it's a fundamental truth. All information that you access and interact with, you choose whether it is relevant or not. That's a fair point. Information yeah, comes absolutely. in, and you choose what you do with it. I've met people that they're basing their life off of stuff that I'm like, that is the dumbest thing. I mean, but they have chosen this information and decide to apply it to themselves. Like you said, I mean, I, I think the Marvel and DC movies and stuff, they're okay, but I don't base my life around. Yeah. I'm not, I'm it, not as yeah, they into don't call it as other you people. To that. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. I've chosen to take that information and the relevance for me of it is entertainment. Yeah. There's other people that have taken it and said, I'm going to use this to start a, a, an NGO that's going to change some third world in country or some what. That means they took that information and found a new relevancy for it. And so that would be the same thing I say. A lot of people that say, well, the Bible's not relevant are people that don't want to allow it to be relevant. That's you choose what you do with the information you interact with, whether it's history, whether it's social capital and information, or whether it's a religious narrative or text. You have the power to choose how relevant something is or is not in the scope of your life. Henry, I think we found something that you're slightly passionate, like a tiny bit passionate about, like maybe, maybe just a tad bit passionate about. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for all of it. This has been great. And, and Hugo, any, any final thoughts from you as well before we uh, close I out? I mean, I guess going back to like the relevancy, I think if you look at the Bible as examples of how people fell and how they were able to come back to grace, that's also a perfect way to see it because never in anybody's life will ever anyone ever be able to say, sorry, I'm butchering that. Uh, I've never done anything wrong. You know, everybody's done something worthy of falling from grace for. And if you look, I mean, Noah got drunk after he, you know, saved everybody from the flood. He came back to grace, you know, and I can yeah. do the same thing. And so if you look at it in that way, how was somebody able, how was somebody else able to overcome their fall and their downfall? And how was I, or how were they able to get back up? How am I able to get back up? And God's grace. That's huge. Thank you for that. Thank you guys again for your thoughts on this. I uh, think this is a timely conversation. I think it's one that's full of uh, great information. And to our listeners, I hope this has been a uh, benefit to you. I hope you found some, uh, maybe a way to, to allow the Bible to speak its relevance into your life and, and, um, maybe renew, maybe this is renewed a spark to open it up again and read it. But no matter what it's done for you, we just thank you so much for listening to Echo, for being a part of this journey with us. And we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.